Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about the talky executive. Renee didn't like to complain. A senior vice president in the finance division of her bank, Renee had an orderly mind, a tidy office, and a positive outlook. Even when managing problem performers, she exuded kindness and warmth. Sunny and optimistic were words in her 360-degree feedback report. But Renee had trouble maintaining her positivity when she talked about the new CEO, Jordan. You know, she said, giving the table an emphatic slap of her hand, I used to think it was me. I used to think he was so smart I just couldn't understand him. But the more I listen to him, it's not me. It's him. He doesn't make sense a lot of the time. She leaned in conspiratorially, saying, I find myself zoning out when he's talking. Not a good thing zoning out on your CEO. I understood Renee's frustration. Jordan and I had talked briefly on the phone about his goals for Renee's coaching. He told me he wanted her to have more executive presence. But by the end of our conversation, I wasn't at all clear what those words meant to him, despite asking several different ways. Now I asked Renee, Do you know why you zone out? He does this stream of consciousness thing. I swear. I ask him one question. He talks for like ten minutes. Does he have a focus, I asked. How do you mean? Is he lecturing? Is he sharing vision? Is he teaching some idea? What does he talk about? Anything, she said. Whatever comes into his head. It could be weather patterns in the Caribbean. And where does he end up, I asked. Does he end up wanting an agreement, giving you an assignment, asking for new information? Like, what's his point in the end? A lot of the time, I don't have a clue. I end up asking my question a second time or a third time. Sometimes, sometimes I get an answer, but sometimes I walk away thinking, well, I guess I'll just go with my instincts, and if he doesn't like it, he can tell me later. Does that end you up in hot water, I asked? No, she said with a dismissive wave. He talks a lot, but I don't think he keeps track of what he's saying. Usually, even if there was an agreement, he doesn't remember it. I gave a sly smile and asked, do you ever tell him... He said something that he didn't really say. She laughed, no, but I probably could. I asked, are there times when he does remember what he talked about and it's really important to him? Yeah, some of the time. I wouldn't say most of the time. I asked, would it be fair to say he thinks out loud? Laughing, she said, I'm not sure I would call it thinking. Really, Tom, he's not being thoughtful. He just spews. I nodded, he's a verbal processor. Yes, she said. And I understand why he's hard to listen to. I said, I used to be a verbal processor myself. Like Jordan, she asked, no way. I certainly talked a lot. That whole stream of consciousness thing, I did that. And I thought I was pretty well-spoken. But looking back, I'm pretty certain I was hard to follow a lot of the time. Brightly, she asked, could we make this part of the coaching? Could you help me listen to Jordan better so I stop zoning out? Sure, I said. Well, then let's. Renee, before we jump in, I really want to appreciate what you just did. You asked if I could help you listen to Jordan better. You didn't make it about making Jordan better. I really appreciate your sense of ownership about the issue. 
Well, she said, he's not going to change. Well, he might one day, I said, but not because of anything you and I do during your coaching. Yeah, she laughed. He can get his own coach. I said, you would be surprised how many people want coaching so the other person will change. Oh, now that sounds like my 12-year-old, she said. She is always telling me that she is going to do this so that her friends will do that, or she's going to do this so her teacher will stop doing that. And what do you tell her, I asked. I say, good luck with that. Let me know how it goes. She asked, so what about me listening to Jordan? What could I do better? Well, I said, let's start with this idea that you're listening to someone who processes out loud. And how does that help me, she asked. Can I tell you a story, I asked. Sure, she said. A friend of mine, a fellow coach named Pam Earhart, is brilliant with the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Years ago, when I was trying to learn more about Myers-Briggs, she and I were talking about people who fit the Myers-Briggs definition for being an extrovert. I remember Pam smiling at me and saying, You, you, Tom, you're the classic extrovert. You don't know what you think about anything until you say it out loud. Ew, said Renee, recoiling. That's not a very nice thing to say. Why not, I asked. Makes you sound like an airhead. You don't know what you're thinking unless you're talking out loud. But she was right, I said. Talking helps me clarify my thinking. Talking helps me learn. I process my thoughts out loud, and I suspect Jordan does too. If you knew... He was a verbal processor. Would it change anything? If I thought he was getting to some point, she said. But really, he bounces from one topic to the next like a pinball. He's impossible to follow. His thoughts must be so jumbled up. Maybe he's ADD. Well, now that's an interesting thought, I said. Would that idea make it easier to listen to him? It might, she said. And then looking at me, she asked, didn't you experience any of this when you talked with him? I did, I said. I told you I never completely understood his goals for the coaching, but I didn't zone out on him. Well, there you've got me, she said. So what's the trick? I will tell you my method. You can tell me if it works for you. Ooh, she said, does this method have a name? No, it doesn't, I said. At least not yet. Maybe you can give it one. I made up this method because... Listening to people like Jordan was hard for me, too. But because I was a verbal processor myself, I thought maybe I could reverse engineer the whole thing. Let me have it, she said. Okay, I'm going to start by explaining what it's like to be a verbal processor. So suppose someone asks me a question. Their question triggers an idea in my head. I start talking about that, and I get excited, which sparks another idea, and I talk about that, which sparks another idea, which sparks another until I run out of steam. Yeah, she said, but nobody can follow all that. Oh, 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 but I can, if I'm the verbal processor. If I'm the verbal processor, my thoughts are flying out in front of me like it's a big, wide straightaway. But what I learned is that for the listener, it's like a labyrinth, right? She laughed, right? Which is what gave me the idea for this method. So when I listen to other verbal processors... I know that in the other person's head, all those random ideas are connected. But the connections are impossible for me to see. The lack of connections could throw me off. So I make it my job 
to just figure out when a turn has occurred, but not to worry about connecting the turn. All I need to do is notice there's been a turn, not how it all connects. She nodded for me to keep going. When I'm listening to a verbal processor, I picture the words coming out of the person's mouth as a big gushing flood from a hydrant that's all jumbled together. My job as the listener is to grab the different chunks and separate them. Oh, look, he's talking about board meetings. I grab that chunk. I put a pin in it that says board meeting. When the topic changes, I put the board meeting chunk to the side and I listen for the new topic. Oh, look, he's talking about the senior vice presidents now. I put a pin in it that says SVPs and I get ready for the next chunk. For everything he says, I'm listening and pinning. She made a face and said, that sounds exhausting. At first, but it gets better with practice. Well, it better, she said. I said, even if it doesn't, I don't think it's okay to just stop listening to someone because you can't follow them. No, I agree, she said. That's why I asked for help. I don't want to zone out. You know something else I asked? I find that listening this way, it helps me think more critically so I don't go down rabbit holes. As I put pins in, I think to myself, hey, look, that is not on my main road. We do not have to talk about that. After that coaching conversation and before our next one, Renee tried sorting and pinning when she was listening to Jordan. She came back and reported and said, It was weird. It felt like time slowed down. I kept imagining it was like a softball game in slow motion. I'm the catcher. He's the pitcher. He throws this pitch towards me. And while it's coming, I'm thinking, oh, he's talking about our growth goals. And the pitch keeps coming until he changes the topic. Then, bang, the ball hits my glove. I shove it in my pocket. I focus on the next pitch. And then, whatever that's about, hits my glove and goes in my pocket. And I turn to what's next. I had so much more time to think about what he was saying. Is that a good thing, I asked. Yes, because I was listening, she said. You know what it allowed me to do? Instead of just waiting for him to stop talking and then I was just going to ask my question again, I could actually pull some of his own words out and use them back to him. I could tell he actually liked that. Oh, good, I said. You know what else? Listening this way, this slow-motion softball way, it works with anybody, even people who aren't verbal processors. It helps me pay attention no matter what I'm hearing. I like it. Well, that's great, Renee. And by the way, she said, I named it. I call it slow-pitch listening. Renee found slow-pitch listening infused her with the look and sound of leadership. You don't have permission to just stop listening to someone because they're hard to follow. You know, that's boo-hoo. You don't get to choose how other people talk, just like they can't choose how you talk. It's your responsibility to listen. When you notice you're drifting, an exercise like this, an exercise that makes you hyper-conscious of the act of listening, it, it forces your attention on listening, it can get you engaged. And be patient with yourself. Renee's big success on her first time out, that was more for storytelling purposes than an actual report. The truth is, 
Attending to your own listening is a muscle like any other. You wouldn't expect to show up at the gym for the first time and work with weights that are beyond your limits. You know, your expectations should be reasonable. It's fascinating to me. People think that because most folks can hear and speak as a natural part of their environment, then, hey, you know, I don't really need to work on speaking or I don't really need to work at hearing. You know, we all just do it. And, well, I want to say that people who are really good at speaking, they work at it. They're, you know, they're like musicians who love to practice or athletes who love to work out. People who are good at speaking love getting better. And that is the whole purpose here of the Look and Sound of Leadership, right? So, look, if you are one of those people who enjoys flexing your communication muscles, I have some ideas for you. But first, gratitude. Last month, I told you about Solu Nuanze in San Francisco bringing me up to work with her team. This month, more of you reached out for one-on-one coaching. I am really grateful to talk to all of you. You know, you as an individual podcast listener... You know, I have no idea who you are. And then you pop me an email and you tell me a bit of your story and then we get on the phone and I hear more of your story and it's just great. It's such a pleasure. Thank you to all of you. And those of you who are posting all around the world in Apple Podcasts, thank you so much from New Zealand, SMNZ, Kaiti View from Switzerland, from the United States, Mikamu and Frozenbau. Thank you all. Really, those mentions make an enormous difference. Okay. This is all really just sorting and labeling in reverse, right? Can you, can you hear that? Do you remember the section back at the beginning of the episode when Renee is explaining Jordan to me and she says, oh, he asks one question and he talks for 10 minutes, that section. And then I ask her some questions like what's his point and what does he tend to talk about? I I list a bunch of possibilities under each one of those categories. That's sorting and labeling in reverse where I become responsible for putting labels on things. It's another way of listening. It's like listening for a theme in a piece of music. You could listen and think, oh boy, oh boy, look, he loves teaching. And look, some people might say he's a know-it-all or he's a big blowhard, and I don't know, maybe he is, but he thinks he's teaching. And when you can hear that theme, he's easier to listen to. Or you could listen to this woman who loves to spin solutions, and some people might say she's all process and no people, But, you know, she thinks she's solving problems and adding value. When you listen that way, it's easier to listen. And it's all just sorting and labeling in reverse. (laughs) I'm thinking if you're new to the podcast and this is your first time hearing about sorting and labeling, you're going, what? Sorting and labeling is the fastest route to achieve the look and sound of leadership. It's a tool that I talk about all the time. And... Welcome to the podcast and dig into sorting and labeling. It'll explain many things. This whole way that I'm talking about listening, it's sorting and labeling as a listener. You know, I usually say that you as the speaker, even if it's just a hallway conversation, you can sort and label your ideas and it's going to make you sound well-spoken. It's going to make you sound thoughtful. Well, in this instance, since the speaker isn't doing the sorting and labeling for you, You have to do it for yourself. So go to it. Get to it. Whether you're the speaker or the listener, be responsible for the conversation. 
If you want to dig into related episodes, four others you might listen to are, number one, of course, sorting and labeling, the other three, breakdown of listening, leadership and listening, short sounds, confidence. You can link to those in the show notes, or you can look in the archive. In the archive, this tip is in four categories, communication skills, leadership, relationship building, and social skills. The archive's free. Go help yourself. It's at the Essential Communications website, EssentialCom.com. It's EssentialCom with two M's, dot com. Podcast tab will take you there. Coaching tips tab will take you there. There's also a big old contact button. Shoot me an email. Say hi. That's it for me. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>